Listening to the 143rd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always, whether you're listening via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, I want to thank you for making me in the show part of your day. So, you know, as everybody knows, the coronavirus, it's kind of, for lack of a better term, crapped on the sports cycle, at least now and relatively for the future. So, here's what we're going to do. Uh... For this episode, I'm going to have my friend, good friend Ben Karen on, host of the Sports Squabbler Podcast. What we're going to do is we're going to do an NFC preview. We're going to go division by division, NFC West, NFC East, NFC South, NFC North, and we're going to kind of get Ben's feeling and uh, kind of do a little power ranking of each division per se. So we're going to do that for you. Uh, next episode, just want to let everybody know, we will be having a special guest, or it'll be Friday's episode. Haven't got that locked in yet, so I'm not going to get the person's name. But hopefully that follows through. So coming up next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, you're going to check out the interview with me and Ben Karen. Coming up next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with the Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have the man, the myth, the legend, Ben Karen, host of the Sports Squabbler Podcast. How you doing, Ben? I'm great tonight, Daryl, and I hope you're doing well, too. I'm doing good. So, Ben, just give everybody a quick update. How are you doing? How are things going on your side of the country on the West Coast? Uh, things are um, day-to-day, Daryl. Uh, right now, the biggest change that we see is a lot of people working from home. Uh, some local schools are shut down, including my district right now, and we're kind of waiting to hear at this point whether school's going to start back up or not for the, you know, six or seven weeks that we actually have left. Um, we know we're going to be at home for at least another two. Not a lot of people um, out, you know, at the stores and stuff right now. Um, quite a change from the north. So it's kind of like a ghost town. Yeah, like I'm talking way, way less people, probably about 10% of the usual amount of people you'd see out here, uh, just west of Phoenix, the suburbs. Now, if you don't mind if I ask, do you have a lot of family still like the Vermont, Massachusetts area, do you? I have some family in Vermont, uh, no family in Massachusetts. Okay, how's everything going there? Because I know, wasn't it kind of crazy there for a while? <laughs> well, uh, Vermont has... Uh, has it tested a lot of people for COVID-19, which is good. I mean, you know, uh, when you look at it, proportionate to their population. Um, they're also um, under, I think, like a lockdown order or something right now, and schools have already been canceled for the rest of the year up there. So they're, you know, taking, um, taking a few more uh, precautions uh, than I guess we're taking out here right now. Yeah. No, that's true. Yep, COVID-19 is uh, canceling a lot of stuff. It's definitely been a game changer so far, but uh, hopefully uh, with a little bit of resolve, uh, we'll be able to get back here to uh, to normal uh, in a few months. When do you think the next time we'll see a live sporting event? I'm going to say June, mid-June. Mid-June, okay. 
I'm going to hold you to that, Ben. But this podcast is still going to go on. So and what we're going to do is we're going to do a preview of uh, the NFC, right? We had free agency happen. The draft's still coming up. And who knows what's going to be going on. So maybe we'll do another NFC preview after the draft and see where teams change. But for right now, we're going to do an NFC preview after free agency. Kind of go through the hierarchy of each team in the division. So let's start with the NFC West, then a division that's close to you. Kind of being on kind of that region of the country, right? You have the Seahawks, who I'm assuming you might go with one. You have the San Francisco 49ers. You have the Arizona Cardinals. And you have the, I'm forgetting a team. Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Oh, the Rams, of course, the Rams. Jared Goff and Sean McVay. So you have those four teams. So Ben, just kind of tell me your thoughts on that division. Where did you have the team stacked before, and where do you have them stacked now? Uh, well, you know, I so I'm going to start here uh, at the bottom first and, and kind of work my way up. Uh, right now, I've actually got the uh, Los Angeles Rams in the fourth spot, surprisingly. I know a lot of people might have, you know, uh, initially uh, ranked them a little bit higher, uh, but, you know, they're at the point in time right now where they're about to have to to pay and make some sacrifice for that Super Bowl run they had a couple of years ago. Um, you know, we've already seen them uh, unload some of their players, and they're just they're starting to age, and they don't have a lot of salary cap room. I think um, you know McVay is obviously a good coach. Uh, Jared Goff is good, not great. I'm going with the Rams at number four, and then I'm going to uh, move up. I'll take Arizona Cardinals, number three. I like what they're doing out here. Cliff Kingsbury is not a proven commodity, though, by any stretch of the imagination. And they have a lot of work to do on their offensive line and defense. Um, And then, um, for me, in the number two spot, I'm going to go with... um, my Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, proven winners. Pete Carroll always seems to get the most out of uh, young guys, and I think they've got enough salary cap flexibility right now uh, where they're going to probably be able to go out and add some pieces. And they also have some draft picks available to them as well. Um, Seahawks tend to clap pretty well, so I like their chances. They were pretty competitive last year. And, you know, I think they're going to be in the mix again for the playoffs. And number one, you know, the San Francisco 49ers. Still think they're the team to beat out West. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, good enough to get the job done on the offensive side of things. And then you have Joey Bosa and that uh, that scout defensive line that's going to get after a lot of quarterbacks cause a lot of problems. We saw them dominate the Packers last year. They're still really young. I think Kyle Shanahan's a pretty good coach, and I, I think San Francisco's still the team to beat out West. Now, the first thing that jumps out to me in your assessment, Ben, is you have the Rams at the four spot, and it's crazy to think because this was a team two years ago. They were in the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots, right? Jared Goff was one of the breakout young QBs. 
You have Sean McVay, who everybody's fawning over. You have guys like Aaron Donald, who some people think might be the best overall football player in the entire NFL. Why do you have them at four? Now, it's also interesting, too, that you state that because I've always thought of Jared Goff as a Alex Smith type. Pretty good quarterback, but you're going to have to have a lot of the adequate pieces around him to be successful. You, we know the Rams had that two years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe didn't have that this year. They were still a game or two away from making it into the playoffs at the NFC. And we know how tough the NFC has been. Especially, you know how tough that division is. But you think that the Cardinals can jump them? Do you think that Kyler Murray is going to take that second-year leap, and that's why the Cardinals are going to surpass him? Like, how, how do you see that turning out? Like, well, what have the Cardinals done to make you think, ooh, they can overtake the Rams? Well, I think there are really two big factors for me. Kyler Murray's going to have another year, a year under his belt now. And what I like about him as a quarterback is he's more of a dual threat kind of guy. He can be mobile. Um, he also has a pretty good arm on him. So I, I like the fact that he's gained some experience. And, you know, really the thing that I like is uh, the DeAndre Hopkins trade that they made. Um, anytime you're adding a guy like DeAndre Hopkins to your team, chances are you're getting better. Now... Also, do you think, and people made this argument about, we've seen the leap that second-year quarterbacks have taken the last couple of years. You see a Lamar Jackson, the, the development that we see in his second-year MVP. You see Patrick Mahomes, second-year MVP. Do you think we could be seeing that type of development from Kyler Murray in year two when he has a guy like DeAndre Hopkins? We know how good Larry Fitzgerald still is. Cliff Kingsbury is regarded as an offensive mastermind. I'm not sure that we're going to see the same lead as we saw for Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, because quite frankly, those are truly anomalies. But I still think we're going to see sizable growth. When you look at what Kyler Murray has to work with, as far as his wide receivers go, the shelves are both stocked. I agree with you, Larry Fitzgerald, still very serviceable as a wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins is in the prime of his career. And then you have Christian Kirk, uh, not a lot of people are talking about him, but he, he's definitely a talented wide receiver, and he's coming along, too. It's year three for him, he's going to be entering. And I like all three of those guys for, uh, for Kyler Murray, and I think they're definitely going to help him grow as a quarterback. And how close do you think it is between San Francisco and Seattle at the top of the division? Because Seattle, Ben, they lost Jadavian Clowney to Tennessee. Uh, 
Still one of the better football players, the, the defensive football players in all of football. How, how close is Seattle to San Francisco, who just made the Super Bowl? Well, I think that Seattle and San Francisco are really close. When you consider it, uh, Seattle, you know, last year, they, they won the first meeting between the two teams. Um, and then, you know, obviously, at the end of the season, San Francisco had to, had to basically make a goal line stop. And, you know, very, very close. And at that point in time, Seattle was uh, was starting Marshawn Lynch in the running back spot. Uh, you're down three running backs. So, when Seattle can take your, your team down to the end and they're missing all three of their top running backs, that tells me that they can definitely be competitive with, uh, with the 49ers and pretty much you know any other team in the NFC for that matter. Not to mention, I think this is the situation where the Seahawks are going to get players back, and chances are probably better than not that Seattle's going to be a better football team next year than they were this year. Now, what are the chance? What does Seattle have to do to overtake San Francisco? Well, I think um, above all else, you probably need to go ahead and just lock in Jadavion Clowney. Uh, you know, let's not play with fire here. I think he is a big part of their success last year, and then I think you got to probably go out in the draft. You have to find another edge rusher. Uh, to go along with Clowney, and I would also like to see Seattle possibly obtain, you know, some some pieces for their offensive line as well as their their um, their wide receiver core, and I think that's really what it's going to take. That, of course, could help. If Russell Wilson goes down or gets injured, there's there's no way Seattle's doing much. Okay, now, so we got for Ben. We you have San Francisco one, Seattle two, Cardinals three, Rams four. Now, and here's my last question for you before we move on for the divisions with the Rams being at four. If the Rams do finish four at the end of this upcoming football season, do we have to look at job security for both Sean McVay and Jared Goff because they're both tied to each other? Well, I don't think it's the end of the line for either one of these guys, no matter what happens this year. I, I'm, you know, I'm not ready to hang it up, but it's like what I, what I said. Whenever you look at a situation like this, the Rams have to pay some guys up front to even make that Super Bowl that they made, you know, two years ago. Whenever you pay up to get some players, there's a little bit of a backlash. Now they're on the decline. Now they're facing that backlash a little bit. They just have to get through some of these hurdles uh, so that they can obtain a healthy number of draft picks again so that they can clear some cap space um, so that they can regain some youth on their team. I don't think it's uh, a failure by any means, but I think that they maybe go from being that top team uh, in the NFC West back into more of like a a rebuilding mode over the next couple of years. Okay, now, Ben, we're going to go to the NFC North. You have Green Bay, who had a resurgence. They have their new coach, Matt LaFleur. You have the Bears, who 
It looks like they're kind of in limbo right now. They bring in Nick Foles to replace Mitch Trubisky. You have the Vikings. Uh, just gave Kirk Cousins even more money. And they traded away Stephon Diggs to my Buffalo Bills. So they lose that top receiving tandem that they had with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. And then you have the Detroit Lions who get rid of star cornerback uh, Darius Slay to the Philadelphia Eagles. And we know the terminal situation that happened out the door with Matt Patricia. So, where do you see this division starting? Go, Ben. Uh, number one for me, Daryl, is Detroit Lions. Uh, these guys can't get out of their own way. I, I don't think Matt Patricia is the guy for them that's going to lead this team uh, and change the culture. Matt, Matt Stafford has been in the league for a long time. He's never won a playoff game. And it, it's just hard for me to... Think about your team getting better when you lose a player like Darius Play. And it's even worse when you lose him and then he comes out and, and starts talking about uh, how much he dislikes Matt Patricia and doesn't really respect him. So, to me, uh, Detroit will be number four. And uh, then, interestingly, I'm seeing uh, the Vikings in, in that three spot. I think we're going to see a little bit of a decline for them from where they were last season. And again, I, you know, they were kind of in a place where they had to pay some people. And, you know, now there's a little bit of a backlash. They can't afford to keep all their players. You already see Stephon Diggs is walking. And another crucial piece uh, would be Everett Griffin on, on defense that uh, could be leaving the team as well. Um, you know, a, uh, in fact, a local out here where I'm from, he actually graduated from one of the local high schools. So um, I think losing Anderson Griffin is uh, going to also hurt uh, the Minnesota Vikings. I think Thielen is still a really good wide receiver. Rudolph is still a good tight end. Kirk Cousins is it's solid. You know, Mike Zimmer is solid. But I think it's a little bit of a down year for them, and I think they take a step back this year. Second place. Chicago Bears. I like Nick Foles in Chicago. Used to playing in, you know, gritty cities like uh, Philadelphia. I think he's going to fit in really well on Chicago where he has to play outside. Um, I think Matt Nagy is a very underrated football coach. And hard to argue with what they're doing on defense. I really like Khalil Mack. He's a guy that can essentially wreck entire games for teams. Uh, so I think the Bears take a step forward this year. And then uh, Green Bay, I still have at the top of the division. Uh, with Aaron Rodgers, of course, being the most elite quarterback. Probably the only elite quarterback in that division. And I think uh, he's really the, the guy that... Um, sets the Packers apart from the other teams. And I do think right now that that, that difference between Green Bay and Chicago is, uh, is pretty big. Now, but the way you're making it sound like you think right now Green Bay is the best team in this division going uh, going away. Is that true? That, that is correct. In fact, Daryl, I think out of all four of the NFC divisions, uh, Green Bay kind of has that wide, the widest margin of any uh, one team. Okay, because most people might think, you know, the Vikings have some talent, uh, the Bears have some talent, but no, you're of the opinion that this this, this division starts and ends with the Packers. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 
Now, where I do want to go, I want to go back to the Lions really quickly. And you kind of mentioned that you're not a fan of Matt Patricia and you don't believe in him. Could this be the year where we see Matt Patricia end up on the outs? Yeah, I absolutely think it could be. And I think it could happen before the end of the season. I think he's on really thin ice in Detroit. And I, I think it's close to happening. And, Ben, it's really interesting, too. Like, you're... Uh, you're really into psychology, right? And you kind of, if you know psychology, you kind of understand people. And then you kind of mention about when you have a star player like Darius Slay saying those type of things about you. How does do you think that affects a locker room and a team? And you have to relate to people, you have to understand people, and you have to get people to play for you and like you, or at least respect you. Well, I think it entirely crushes the morale of your team when one of the best players leaves. And it was you know, make or factor for him in leaving such the environment. If, if the culture was different, you would have, you know, somebody saying, well, you know, I want to stay on this team. I want to try to make this work. I, you know, I don't want to walk away from this opportunity. I feel that we can win. You know, Darius Slate didn't say those things. He didn't say, you know, I really enjoy playing for Coach Patricia. I, and, and I think that if one player feels that way in the locker room, and he's maybe one of your best players, imagine how Matt is treating some of uh, you know, some of the uh, more average range NFL players on that team. Now, I also want to talk about your two to three. You have the Bears two, the Vikings three. How close are those two teams for you? I think that they're relatively close. These are two teams that I wouldn't be surprised if they split during the uh, regular season. I think both of these teams ultimately are going to, you know, probably be around like the 8-8 eight eight range, um, give or take a game. And I think both of them, when it comes uh, down to it, are going to be um, on the outside looking in when it comes time for the playoffs. How shocked on a 1-10 to 10 would you be if somebody other than Green Bay went this division? Um, I would say probably an eight. With, of course, the caveat that Aaron Rodgers is healthy. And if Aaron Rodgers is healthy and the Packers didn't win the division, I'll go eight. If he gets hurt and somebody else wins, I'm not going to be that shocked. And I'd probably be like a four. Well, well, Ben, I'll give you this little caveat. What happens if I tell you Nick Foles plays like 2017 Nick Foles for the whole year? 2017 playoff Nick Foles. I mean, he can play like that all year. I think it's going to be shocking for a lot of people. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, though. I just can't see it happening. Okay. Now, Ben, we're going to go to the NFC East. You have the Cowboys who are a team that everybody talks about. You either love them or hate them. You have the Eagles, who still have Carson Wentz. A guy a couple years ago was leading the MVP race over a Tom Brady. You have the Washington Redskins, who have their new head coach in Ron Rivera. And you also have the New York Giants, who have Daniel Jones. They're kind of building right now. What is this division to you, Ben? And this is always a division that it always finds a new winner every year. This is always a... It's a tricky division, so I want to know your opinion on it. Yeah, look, man, I think it's a really tricky division. I think that there are really two teams that are going to be fighting it out. 
And I think the distance between all four of these teams is probably not a, a really big gap, uh, but I think you really have two contenders here. So if I had to break it down uh, right now, I would go with the New York Giants um, in the fourth spot. Not really sold on Daniel Jones. I like Saquon Barkley, but the offensive line is a mess. Really don't have a number one receiver. Um, and you're missing a lot of uh, marquee talent on the defense. I don't really believe in Pat Schirmer either. So, other than Saquon Barkley, I'm, I'm not seeing a whole lot to really get excited about it from the New York Giants fan. No, I know my father he feels the same way um, because that's his team. Oh. <sighs> Now who you have third? Um, third, I'm going to go with Washington. I like uh, the Ron Rivera hire. One problem I see for them is I, I don't know what the quarterback situation is going to look like. With that being so up in the air, I mean, it's really, it's really hard to tell. I would expect Dwayne Haskins with an entire offseason to improve is going to be better. I think things, you know, we're waiting to see. Is Ron Rivera going to make a move to try to bring Cam Newton on board? Um, are they maybe going to draft a quarterback? Um, you know, what what's their strategy looking like? For me, I'm going to predict that bringing Cam Newton in for a couple years is what they're going to do. And then subsequently in the draft, I think they will go after Chase Young. You think they're going to get Cam Newton? I yeah, I think that they will bring Cam Newton on board. Okay, okay, Ben, you just dropped the bomb to me. I wasn't even thinking about the potential of Cam Newton to the Redskins. I was thinking potentially if Alex Smith comes back fully healthy, they have him, then they have Dwayne Haskins, sees what happens there. You are telling me that you think potentially Cam Newton could be with the Redskins because to me, if you have a former MVP and you can bring back good Cam, that changes the entire complexity of that division. process behind bringing him back. When you look at him uh, paired along with Ron Rivera, too, I mean, they were obviously able to get along and coexist. And they're being very successful. You know, even last year before Cam got injured, um, they've, you know, been to a Super Bowl, they've gotten close, and I actually think Washington is uh, the front runner to pick Cam Newton up right now. And I definitely think that that's uh, probably the best move that they have. Give Dwayne Haskins a little bit of time. You know, I think everyone kind of figures right now that he will be the future quarterback for Washington. Uh, but everyone that I've heard from, as far as, you know, experts go on quarterbacks, has said, well, Dwayne Haskins is just not ready to go quite yet. Uh, this will be a good good way to give Cam a couple of years and get Dwayne ready to play when the time comes. Now, who do you have second? Second place for me, I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys. I like what they did with the coaching hire of Mike McCarthy, although, I, to be honest with you, I didn't really think Jason Garrett deserved to get fired, but, you know, that's neither here nor there at this point in time. Mike McCarthy is probably better than Jason Garrett as a head coach. He's had a lot of success, obviously. Um, 
You know, Dak is a reliable quarterback, but I think they're going to ultimately end up overpaying for him. I think that they overpaid for Amari Cooper, who's, you know, um, a pretty good wide receiver, but I I don't think he's an elite wide receiver. I don't. I think he's a little bit overrated right now. And then we'll have to see kind of how hungry Ezekiel Elliott is now that he's been paid all the money. Um, then I'm looking at it, you know, in order to pay Dak, they're going to have to lose some other talented players on the defensive side of the football. So they're not getting better on defense, and they're also going to, you know, likely have an offensive line with another deeper wear and tear. And the thing, Daryl, I can't get over with the Dallas Cowboys is how they managed to lose to a beaten-up Philadelphia Eagles team when all the chips were on the table last year. And I just got to ask, if they couldn't get the job done last year when it mattered the most against a beaten-up Philadelphia Eagles team and they self-destructed at the end of the season, how are they ever going to compete against the Philadelphia team that's actually healthy? That's true, Ben. That, that, that's true. So that's your hierarchy for the East. Right, and, and I want to be very clear about this. I don't necessarily think Philadelphia is even a more talented football team than Dallas. I think they just have more grit. They, they're going to find a way to get it done, and they're a pretty good football team. I've heard the Lynch is really on a, an unproven quarterback. I'm not sold on him right now. And I know he tends to get hurt, so they're going to need a decent backup quarterback for him. But I like the fact Doug Peterson's Super Bowl winning coach. They, they're bringing back a lot of players. Um, but the thing that is concerning to me is you know, the running back spot in particular, you don't necessarily have a lot of talent. You've got guys like Boston, guys like Miles, but... You don't necessarily have a clear number one running back. So I think that they're going to have to find ways to get creative at that position. Um, well, at the same point in time, you know, maybe using the passing game with Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson and Zach Ertz to maybe open up that running game a little bit. Now... And Ben, I also want to say this about the whole division. I, I think I would probably agree with you on your assessment. I think if the Redskins get Cam, then I think maybe we could start talking about potential if they could come out and have a surprise and, and win the division. But here's what I would say. I, I would say this is the one division, probably in football, if you told me, Ben, that Daniel Jones, had, and I know you're not a big fan of Daniel Jones, but if you told me Daniel Jones had a breakout year and the Giants somehow won the division, that wouldn't shock me. I'd be like, okay, I guess I see that if you tell me they get Cam Newton, he comes back to form, right? They get Chase Young, and they're really good, and they win the division. I wouldn't be like, oh, okay, we know what the Dallas Cowboys and the Eagles represent. To me, this is the one division of football where it could be like a surprise team could come out of. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, honestly, I think it's the weakest division in the NFL. I think everybody thinks that, Ben. <laughs> Now, how close are all these teams to you? Um, I think that 
Washington gets Cam, and if they get Chase Young, I think they're relatively close to Philadelphia and Dallas, which I would say are pretty equal. So I would almost say if that all happens and pans out, you might have three teams that I would almost see as equal, um, with the Giants being kind of clearly in the fourth place spot. So you don't think Jason Garrett calling plays is going to help at all? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, by the way, why aren't you a fan of Daniel Jones? It's not necessarily that I'm not a fan of Daniel Jones, but Daniel Jones doesn't really have much to work with. When I see other quarterbacks in the division that have guys like Deshaun Jackson, um, with guys like Amari Cooper, who I'm not high on, but, you know, he's probably better than any of the Giants have. You know, they, other people just seem to have more weapons right now than he has to work with. Um, so it's not necessarily a Daniel Jones issue. It's a, I don't think he has much to work with issue. And then, you know, two, three years maximum turn the team around. Some only getting one act, Steve Wilkes. Exactly. I mean, which, uh, you know, I think uh, the Cardinals uh, treated him very unfairly, to be honest with you. Now, let's get to the division. It's going to be the division in football this year, the NFC South. You have Drew Brees, right, the Saints. Drew Brees, top 10 quarterback of all time. You have Brady, the GOAT, in Tampa Bay. You go from James, famous Jameis to Tom Edward Brady. You have the Carolina Panthers with Matt Rule, new head coach. And you got the Atlanta Falcons, who weren't who people forget were in a Super Bowl three years ago and were 20-3 against the New England Patriots on a Sunday night. And then I don't know what the hell happened. But they did it. They did the thing. And Matt Ryan was an MVP. So just talk about this division. What is your hierarchy for this division, Ben? Go. Okay, well, this is obviously the toughest division, I think, in the NFC to, to kind of judge where the teams are going to fall. It's a very talented division, uh, as is the West. Uh, but I spent a lot of time thinking about it, and I think I've got this nailed down. So, number four for me is going to be Carolina Panthers. Matt Rule is the head coach of the Panthers. I like him, but it's probably a downgrade from Ron Rivera. And then I look at, you know, possibly trading in Cam Newton for Teddy Bridgewater, and I've got to think that's kind of a downgrade, too. When I look at it, I think the Carolina Panthers are not necessarily a bad team, but they're going to finish in fourth, and they're going to clearly be the worst team in the division this year just because they're in a rebuild now. So then number three, I'm going to go with Atlanta Falcons. And I'm going to go with them under the assumption that they're going to continue to play inconsistently like they've done for the last couple of years since, like you said, they, they lost in the Super Bowl and everything is kind of self-destructed for them. I think Atlanta has a lot of talent. Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley Probably the best one-two punch at the wide receiver position in the entire position. But they let Devontae Freeman go. They let Austin Hooper go. They have Todd Gurley. They have a lot of offensive weapons. 
And I don't believe that Todd Gurley is going to be able to return to form and play like he did in his younger years with the Rams. Now, if that happens, then all bets are kind of off, but I, I don't see that happening. And I'm going with this man at number three and missing out on the playoffs. Two for me is going to be Tampa Bay. I like Tom Brady in this in this situation. He's got a couple Pro Bowl wide receivers, Mike Evans, as well as Chris Godwin. That's going to be good for him. And then he's got Cameron Brady at the tight end spot. He's got O.J. Howard at the tight end spot. So he's got a couple good tight ends. Ronald Jones Jr. running the football. Um, actually, Ronald Jones the third, I believe. Sorry. And uh, Peyton Barber. So, you know, I, I like uh, all the offensive weapons he has. I think Bruce Williams is going to be a good fit, as is Tom Moore. Uh, so I like the coaching staff fit for Tom Brady. And Tampa Bay, just across the board, you know, their defense is underrated. Ben, I, I will say this in my opinion of this division really quickly. I do think the, the, the bottom will fall off at Carolina. I think you have to remember they're losing Ron Rivera, a very good coach and a very respected coach in this league. You're losing Cam Newton, a former league MVP. And then people forget this. You're losing Luke Kuechly, who was a former defensive player in the league. So when you don't have those guys walking through the door, I think that's going to be a bit of adjustment. I think that will be an adjustment. But... Here, here's my question why I think this division is also very interesting. There is a world, Ben, and maybe it's not this year, but it could be an alternate universe, and maybe it happens this year where Tom Brady and Drew Brees hit the wall, and, and suddenly they become bad, right? And, and if that happens, then, then, then all hell breaks loose in this division. It's like, well, what is going to happen? Do you foresee that happening at all? Could that happen? I don't think it's happening this year. I think that Drew Brees and Tom Brady are both in positions uh, where they have really good coaches to work with, and these coaches are going to be able to make the adjustments necessary um, to make them successful. We've already seen that with Drew Brees for the last couple of years. He's, he's just not able to air the ball out like he used to. And they still managed to be really successful. And I just don't see this as the year where the Eagles are going to fall off. I see Tom Brady, this is probably his last year of playing at a high level. But I will give him one more year. Every time I've ever done it against him, I've been told that I've always been a problem. So this year I'm going to stick with him. <laughs> now, how... Cl- 
I, I think you would agree with me, and in my opinion, is I think Atlanta, I mean, not excuse me, not Atlanta, both Tampa Bay, it's getting weird saying Tampa Bay and Tom Brady in the same sentence. My gosh. Tampa Bay and New Orleans are kind of at the top, and they're going to be vying for the division title, right? I think so, yeah. And I, I think if Atlanta doesn't get the is actually able to play up to their talent level, I think all three of those teams could be in the mix for the division title. The problem with the Griffin, though, traditionally, is they could play great in one game and then pretty bad for the rest of the month. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so I I think they have all the talent, but unless they find a way to harness it and play consistently good football, it's going to be a problem. I don't see that problem for the Saints, and I don't see that problem for the Fox that Tom Brady there. And what are the chances that Carolina just surprises all of us and ekes out a division title? Uh, it's close to zero. <laughs> that, the chance of that happening is probably about as good as UCF winning the national title for real winning it. <laughs> I was going to say, Ben, if you ask players at UCF, they already won it. That that year, they everybody says they didn't lose a game, and they say Alabama lost. Yeah, only two. Um, out of the division that my team plays in, they probably wouldn't have been able to beat Mississippi State. <laughs> ben, are you trying to say UCF couldn't beat Mississippi State? Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't hit on the American Conference. It's like the Mac. Group of five lives matter, Ben. I said, group of five lives matter. Okay. Well, anyways, let's get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get that one. And then I'm a Matt guy. I'm UB. I have to support. Now, Ben, where I will let you... Uh, so, you have Bucks 1. I mean, excuse me. Saints 1. Bucks 2. Falcons 3. Panthers 4. Now, we, we got your opinions on all the divisions. Now, here's what I want to say. So... What are the four teams that you pick winning division? Because you have the Saints winning. You have the Eagles winning the NFC East. For the NFC South, you have, uh, this should be the NFC West, you have the San Francisco 49ers. And you have, for the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers. Which four of those teams could you see not actually winning the division? Well, it's got to be And I think out of all four of them, they're they're easily the weakest of the four teams. If, if like you said, if Washington gets Cam Newton and they get hot, you know it could belong to Washington. If Dallas has a good year, it could belong to Dallas. But I think when it's all said and done, and this is just from experience, based on what we've seen last year, Philadelphia finds a way to get the job done when it matters. And Ben, that's about it. That's about it of what I got with you today. Uh, ben, I want to thank you for coming on the pod. I appreciate it. Sure, sure. Anytime. Stay safe, Ben. Stay inside. Thank you. That's Ben Karen, host of the Sports Squabbler Podcast. And once again, I want to thank Ben Karen, host of the Sports Squabbler Podcast, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And that's it for the 143rd episode of 
Barbershop Sports Talk.